So if you want to take your Bibles out and turn to Proverbs chapter 18, we're going to be getting there in just a minute. <clears throat> um, in or, really, to, in order to take the value of the message away from here today, we need to examine the importance of words, having a word to say. Now, I haven't really always cared that much about words. Um, I did, I'm not a very articulate person. I don't have an exhaustive vocabulary. Growing up, I really didn't pay much attention to words. If they were misused, I learned enough language, English language, to convey my thoughts, and that was good enough, you know. And so I really didn't pay a lot of attention to it. I, I um, was horrible at English. I still am. In fact, I hated English in school. You'd get those assignments to go home and look up those words. Going through a dictionary and writing down a definition to a word, I hated that. That was the last thing on earth I wanted to do. I, wanted, I was a kid that always wanted to be outside playing. I was out in the woods all the time. And to sit down and open a book and have to write down a de definition is just like somebody just shoot me. So I was just that guy, you know. Uh, so writing those things is the last thing I wanted to do and even though now I have a lot of ingrained bad habits when it comes to vocabulary and proper grammar and sentence structure and all of that, I've tried to improve on that, by the way. If you, if you heard me years ago, I hope I've improved some. Jeannie, she critiques me sometimes. I'm like, I used to say folks a lot. She's like, well, and then I started listening to myself preach. I'm like, yeah, that is so annoying. And now I listen to CFR, and most of those guys are from North Carolina, where I'm from, and they say folks all the time. I want to call them up and say, stop it. <laughs> That's annoying, you know. But anyway, I've tried to improve on it. I've butchered the English language pretty good. But words have come to have important meaning to me. And the meaning of a word can change the entire message that God is trying to convey to us. So words are important. And when it became clear that I had a call of God on my life and that I would be responsible for the words that I taught, uh, that became really important. James chapter 3 verse 1 says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For if we stumble in many things... If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man and able to bridle his whole body. Now that's talking specifically about taking control of your tongue. But at the same time, words are used. And so when I realized that God had called me to, to teach, words began to take on a different importance. The problem with words is we use words so loosely in our English language that we use words for everything that they come to mean nothing. For example, how are you? We meet people, so how are you? What we mean by that is hello, it's good to see you, it's a nice day. What it never means is how are you? Right? If you meet some guy and say, how are you? He's like, oh, dear Lord, I'm glad you asked. Oh, my aching sacroiliac and my lumbago and oh, Arthur, he's acting up and I can't sleep and my hair's falling out and my teeth's falling out. You say, whoa, 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 I didn't mean like, how are you? I mean, how are you? 
So we use words that for everything and they don't mean anything. Awesome. Everything is awesome. You know, not everything is awesome. God is awesome. You know, but the bowl of oatmeal that I just had wasn't awesome. <laughs> Linda's pies are awesome. <laughs> Amen. Here's another word. Friend. Friend. People have Facebook, they have hundreds of friends. Especially among our young people, they identify their worth by how many friends they have. I have friend requests on my Facebook from people I've never heard of. And if I click them, they are now my friend. <laughs> I have no idea who this person is. So what does that mean, friend? Well, it means I know who you are, maybe. Or maybe I recognize your face. I may even know some of your family. I may even know where you live. But a Facebook friend, a lot of times, is I know someone who knows you. Or I have a friend of a friend who has a friend who knows who you are. And so I friend you to friend me. And I'm like, I have no idea who you are. You're a friend of a friend that knows a friend that knows who I am. And so my name came up and you want to be my friend so you can add to the number of friends you got so you can be somebody. Am, am I right? <laughs> Words that describe people like that, I would not call them friends. At best, I would call them an acquaintance. But what they rarely ever are is a friend. Because a real friend is a person with whom I have a meaningful relationship. Amen? And we all need friends. Everyone needs to belong to something or someone. We need to be a part of something. We need to fit in. We need to be accepted. Because often we feel left out. Now I say we feel left out. You're not necessarily left out, but sometimes we feel that way. Because if a person is not pulled in, sometimes they feel left out, even though they're not. Do you understand what I'm saying? When Jeannie and I went to Bible college the first time, we sat in the class and everybody knew each other and they're all talking and we are the new faces in the class. And even though we were not left out, we felt left out. Because we're sitting there and nobody even acknowledged we're in the room until a little blonde-headed girl about this tall, uh, Burns, what was her name? Vicki Burns. She said, well, I'd like to know what this couple over here has to say. What's your name? And she, because she, she was real bubbly like that. And all of a sudden, just because of the act of one person, we felt pulled in. And we no longer felt left out. Do you see the difference? And, and so a lot of people feel left out. A common fear that all people face is the fear of rejection. I think my phone just dinged. I hate that thing. It did. Who just texted me? Was it somebody in here? <laughs> it was a friend. <laughs> I want <laughs> that I've never heard of. Yeah. 
A common fear that all people face is the fear of rejection. And it's the funniest thing. I was thinking about this, and I don't try to think of these songs. Honest to God, I don't. But this song popped into my head again. How many of you knew who Jerry Lewis is, the comedian that just passed away? Jerry Lewis. My, my mom used to laugh until she literally would wet herself watching Jerry Lewis. He was, I didn't think he was that funny, but she thought he was hilarious. Well, he had a son named Gary Lewis and the Playboys. You ever heard of that? It was a pop rock group, 1965. And, it's, and he sang a song, said, everybody loves a clown, so why don't you? Everybody laughs at the things that I say and do. They all laugh when they see me coming, but you don't laugh, you just go on running. Guess, who's heard that song? Come on, make me feel young in here this morning. He said, everybody loves a clown. He said, but you don't laugh, you just go on running. Everybody loves a clown, so why can't you? A clown has feelings too. I joke around at a party when you are there, but you don't laugh, you don't look, you just don't care. If you wonder why this clown is crying, Look a little closer inside, I'm dying. It's not easy to be in love, you see, when you're a clown like me. I don't know how to say I love you, because you would smile and say, tell a joke or two. Yes, I'm a clown, but I don't want to be. Why can't you see the other side of me? Guess I'll be the guy that plays the part of a clown with a broken heart, dreaming of your love and not knowing where to start. That, see, I think the thing about songs is it reflects the real deep emotional soul of people. They put it on, and I think that's why the, I say the Lord, I don't know if it's the Lord, it just, it expresses what's going on out there in the world, the way people feel, the way people think. You know, isn't that true? Because country music, I mean, you listen to country music and some guy, he's crying in his beer and he's then lost his wife or something. He's going through something and he's bearing his soul. You know, it's like the old guy, he said, that's not a perfect country song. So he wrote another verse. I was drunk today. My mom got out of prison. She got rent because the guy said, that wasn't a perfect country song. He said, why? I said, well, you didn't say nothing about pickup trucks or trains or your mama or prison. So he wrote another verse that I was drunk today. My mama got out of prison. She got ran over by a train. So I went down my old pickup truck and saw something. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) it expresses what's going on in people's mind. But you know, listen, back to the clown. We, We are all like clowns performing because everybody has the fear of being rejected. From a tender young age, we naturally seek approval. It's natural to want attention and admiration and affection and praise of others. So we applaud our children when they do well, and we scorn them when they misbehave. And so it's natural to strive for acceptance and to dread rejection. It's ingrained into us. It becomes a part of who we are. Now, I say all that to say this. The last place on earth a person should have to strive for acceptance is in and by the church. The last place a person should be rejected is by the church. And so we need to hear this message this morning. I think that this is a message that is very fundamental to the Christian faith. 
And it's something that we need to repeat often. We should open our hearts and say, I want to be your friend. Now, I titled the message today, Will You Be My Friend? I was joking around with the worship team in the back. I said, I'm, I'm preaching on being a friend today. I said, I need friends. You know, I said, all of you guys are young and I'm old, but I, old people need friends too. Even pastors need friends. Amen. They're like, you don't have any friends? I said, I don't have any friends. I want you to be my friend. We all need friends. Amen. Well, Proverbs chapter 18, if you found your place there, verse 24 says, a man who has friends must himself, everybody say himself, be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Father, we ask you in Jesus' name, Lord, to open our hearts today to receive the word that I believe you've placed on my heart, God. I pray that it will just resonate within us, God, that it will heal those places in our heart where we have felt rejected, Lord God. God, that you will strengthen our relationship with you today because of the word. And God, that it will put something in us, Lord, that will cause us to want to go out and draw people to you, to you most of all, God, but into our circle, Lord, so that we can be their friend. Lord, people need friends, Lord. And so, God, we pray that we can be that person to them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Real friends are people with whom you have a meaningful relationship. Now, friendship... And relationship are actually synonymous words. Synonymous meaning is a synonym. A synonym is a word that is exactly like or nearly like the same as, it, as another word in the same language. So friendship and relationship are synonyms to each other. <clears throat> relationship is vital in church life because uh, when, we, when we were building the building here, remember we had the whole issue with the turning lane? We thought we were going to have to put in a turning lane, and with that big hole on the other side, what it was going to cost was going to kill the deal, brother. I mean, it was going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. And um, Brother Mark Wood, a very good friend of mine, he's, a civil, he's an engineer with the DMV, and he helped me work out the survey and the study to see whether we were going to have to do that or not. And thank the Lord God moved, and, and that went away so that we were able to build the sanctuary we're sitting in today. And, uh, and I owe a great debt to my brother for that, that sacrifice he made because he didn't charge me for it. He did all the survey work on this and all the EMS drawings and stuff. I'll tell you, what a, what a good brother. And so when we were talking about that turning lane, the architect said this to me because he was actually a Christian brother over the ushers in his very large church. He said, Bernie, if you need a turning lane, then you've got a problem in your church. He said, when you say amen, if your parking lot is empty in 15 minutes, you don't have any body life. There's a problem in your church. He said, when you say amen and people are hanging around and they're talking and they don't want to leave and an hour later you still got people still fellowshipping here, you have got a healthy church. Because relationship is vital to the health of your church. We need to love each other, Amen. And so it's, it's good that this side of the church actually talks to that side of the church, you know, and they're not at war with each other. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You've been to some of those churches. So <clears throat> some people, when you talk about needing friends, they're like, bah humbug, I don't need friends, I don't need anybody. You, you, you know people like that? Let me tell you something about that guy. He needs, he needs friends more than most people because he is he is protecting himself 
He has been deeply wounded or hurt or rejected somewhere, and he's put up walls that I don't need anybody. Because I want to tell you something about that. I've been that guy. I, I've been that guy. When you're a kid, you, lived, you went to nine different schools in 12 years. You learn people hurt you. And you start putting up walls, and you keep everybody out there. Because if I let them close, they're going to hurt me. So I don't need anybody. And that guy needs a friend more than most people do. So you just be, be aware of that. We don't want to keep people at a distance. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. In God's original plan, man had a relationship with God and with, him, with each other. Sin divided that. He separated us from God. And he separated Adam and Eve. For all of a sudden, they recognized there's something wrong with you. You ain't got no clothes on. Well, you don't either. And now there's something going on between them and there's something going on between them and God. And sin did that. It separated us from God. It separated us from each other. It's, but the original plan was for, God to, for us to have a relationship with God and with each other. That's why Jesus said that the greatest commandment of all is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is likened to that. You shall love your neighbor like you love yourself. That was the original plan. It's the place that God wants to get us back to. <clears throat> now, we build, we need to build relationship with God and with each other. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If you read that with me, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled. Everybody say reconciled. He has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? Well, reconciliation just simply means to restore a relationship. If me and you have a falling out and we're angry with each other and you come to me or I come to you and say, I'm sorry, I want to make things right, we just re reconciled our relationship. That's what reconciliation is. And God, through Jesus Christ, Jesus reconciled us to God. That relationship that we had with the, in the garden, Jesus made it possible for us to have that relationship again. God would come down and walk with Adam in the cool of the evening. And right now, when you utter the name of Jesus, you have a journey, a walk with God Almighty. Because we can come boldly before his throne, the Bible says, and make a request known to him. We have a relationship with him because of Jesus Christ. And he has given to you and I the ministry of reconciling man to man. That's our ministry. That's what I'm telling you. This is the fundamental rule and law of what we're here for. Is reconciling people, first of all, to God and to each other. It's all right to take the walls down and let people in and to try to befriend them. And so if we define Christianity, it would not be religion or rituals or rules. Christianity is a relationship that Jesus came to reconcile, to restore that relationship, and has given us that same ministry. And as a reconciled person, 
If you are a reconciled person, that means you are a Christian. That's what a Christian is, a person that's been reconciled to God. Then you are Christ's representative. And the most important thing in life then is not money, it's not your status, it's not your success, it's not your pleasure, it's not your fame, it's people. That's the most important thing in our life. It's people, it's each other. In fact, some of the loneliest people in the world are the most famous people and successful people in the world. I, I got the other night, I, in fact, when I, that song popped into my head, I'm, everybody loves a clown, so why don't you? You know, I looked it up on YouTube. And then it went from there to another song he did. This diamond ring doesn't shine for me anymore. And this, I heard that song. When, when I heard it, I'm like, I remember that song. That know you know, you know you're old when a 1965 pop hit is one you heard the first time around. But, but as it kept going, I, I began to hear uh, other songs that was familiar, and I forgot what I was going to say about that. Oh, famous people. I know what it was. Whitney Houston came. No, I was watching The, uh, the Voice, and this lady did the song that Whitney Houston did, I Will Always Love You. How many of you know, I, I will always love you? And so I'm like, man, that girl knocked it out of the park. She sang that as good as Whitney Houston. I'm like, Maybe. So I flipped through there and I found Whitney Houston and her, her beautiful face came up. Wasn't she a beautiful woman? And a voice, my, and, then one, and then she sang, I'm like, no, no. She did it good, but nobody did that like Whitney Houston. But then I'm sitting there and my heart, literally church, I'm telling you, was hurting. What a sad, sad story. She started out in the church choir. That's where Whitney Houston got her beginning. And she died from a drug overdose. What I'm telling you is success and fame. That's not what we're here for. That's not what gives you joy. That's right. it's, a, it's a relationship with God and a relationship with other people. Come on, you can be dead broke and be happy. If you've got a relationship with God and with people. And if you want to really get the gist of that, get the cartoon Cars. If there's ever been an anointed cartoon, that's it. Because Lightning McQueen was all about himself, his fame. His whole deal in life was to win the Piston Cup. And he had a three-way tie, and he's on his way to California to race for the Piston Cup. And, and if you saw the cartoon, he has, a, he has an incident where he winds up in Carburetor County. Right? <laughs> Radiator Springs, Carburetor County, and he meets an old race car named Doc Hudson, but he don't know he's a race car. And then he finds out that he's a race car, and he comes into his garage, and Doc Hudson's got three piston cups. He's like, but you're the famous Doc Hudson. And he's like, so what? You got three piston cups. He said, all I see is an empty cup. And what he taught Lightning McQueen, he says, when they're through with you, all that is left is an empty cup. And so finally he gets, he gets back to the race and, and his, and his, his uh, representative sponsor, whatever, he says, send me a list of the names of all your friends and I'll give them free tickets to the race. And he's trying to think of a friend and he didn't have any. 
And so finally at the end, all of his friends from Radiator Springs, especially the, the, the wrecker, what was the wrecker? Mater, Tuh Mater, Tuh Mater, that's Mater with a Tuh. And the favorite guy on there, Tuh Mater. <laughs> they all come to the race. And the message in it is a relationship, church. It's the most important thing that we'll have in our life. It's not all the things you're striving for, all the goodies and all the toys. It's what, what do you, do you have a relationship with God? Do you have a relationship with other people? People want relationship. They just don't know how to do it. They're like the clown with a broken heart. They're dreaming of love, but they just don't know where to, where to begin, where to start. Now, I want to share real quick. I'm going to take about 15 minutes here and share the things that I have learned about being friends because this is something I had to learn. It was not natural for me. Like I said, I, very early in life, I started putting up walls. I didn't let people into my zone because all they're going to do is hurt me. Or I'm going to make friends with you. My dad's going to take a church somewhere else. I'm going to have to tell you goodbye, which hurts and go somewhere and start over again. So I learned not to let people in close to me. And church, I still have some issues with that. So you have to forgive me, all right? Bear with me, because God's healed me of a lot of that. I start to accept people here, because it's natural for me to keep people there. Because I have learned over, even in ministry, some of you know what I'm talking about. We've had people come in this church, and they, you give them a part of your heart. And for whatever reason, whether God led them somewhere else or they just got mad and left or whatever, when they left, they took a piece of your heart with them. So now we see a new couple coming into the church or a new family or a new person coming into the church and you are thinking, am I going to let them in close? Because if I give them a piece of my heart, are they going to stay here and love me and let me love them? Or are they going to take my heart and leave? And so whether you realize it, you don't realize it, you'll start putting up walls yourself. I've seen it because I watch you guys, all right? When I see new people coming in, I'm looking to see who's reaching out to them. And sometimes I don't see anybody reaching out to them. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing you for that. I know what the symptom is. You've been hurt. You're afraid to build a relationship with them because you don't want to be hurt again. And church, we all need to tear those walls down. All right, because God has given you the ministry of reconciling, building a relationship with that person. That's your ministry. And so it's incumbent upon you to tear that wall down and approach them because people need relationship. Now, how do, how do you do that? How do you build relationships with people? These are the things that I learned. One, you have to be proactive. That doesn't just happen. People don't just become your friend. Sometimes, especially if you are the person that's in the group and they're new, you've got to do what Vicki Burns did for Jeannie and I. You've got to pull them in. They're not going to push their way in. You've got to pull them in. And to do that, you've got to be proactive. You've got to make the initiative to, to, be, to befriend them. Take the first step. Don't wait for them to come to you. Because they want to be your friend. They just don't know how. They don't know where to start. I had to learn that because when, when, also when Jeannie and I first got married, I, I'm, I'm an introvert by nature. I was the guy that was set in the room and never say one word to anybody. 
Because I'm just, I'm not that type of a person. It's not my personality. Jeannie, on the other hand, everybody she meets is a pre-friend. She just, you're my friend, you just don't know it yet. Hi, blah, 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 blah. You know? And, and I learned from her. Because when we first got married, she's talking to strangers. And I'm like, do you know those people? She's like, no. I'm like, well, why are you talking to them? You don't talk to people you don't know. I mean, <laughs> but she talks to everybody. Still does. She's in, Walmart is her mission field, brother, I'm telling you. And the thrift store, I mean, I've seen her go up in the thrift store and just start praying for people. She, one lady, she paid for her stuff. I'm like, that's my money you're spending over there. <laughs> no, it's not. It's our money, anyway. <laughs> Uh, she had some money. She had some money one time. It was going. Go, it was her older brother. She's supposed to give it to him, right? And this this poor family. I mean, very poor family. They were struggling. And I think they were getting ready to put some clothes back on the rack. And Jenny got to talking to them and stuff. Told them to get their clothes, and she took Skeeter's money and paid paid for their clothes. And she she called Skeeter up and said, "I had some money I was supposed to give you, but I spent it." She knew it was all right because he's more giving than she is. He'd give away everything if it was, I mean, he is, he is, he, he'd give away stuff that belongs to him, stuff that don't belong to him. He, he. <laughs> oh, praise God. You have to be bold as a lion. This is something I had to learn. Be bold as a lion. I think Brother Randy started out with that. It takes boldness. You say, well, I'm too shy. Listen. That's a cop out. What you're saying is God's not big enough in you to do what God has told you to do. I'm shy? No, that's a cop out. You are, you're cheating yourself and you're cheating that person. And you're also disobeying God. All right? You are. I had to learn to walk up to a total stranger and say, hi, my name is Bernie. What is your name? And that was the most awkward thing on earth for me to do. But you, and you know, and I, I, after I did it a few times, I'm like, man, I wish I had learned how to do that like in high school. I had one friend, it was two friends in high school, two. One that was really close. And I think of all the kids I went to school with that I could have got to know and been friends with and you know, one reason I don't have very many friends on Facebook is because I don't have very, very many friends. And, and I don't. I don't have a lot of friends, you know. The best friend I ever had was my wife, you know. Once I got her, I didn't need anybody else, you know. I got a friend, right? But listen, it's, it's what God has called us to do. He says a man who has friends must himself be friendly. Don't wait on the other guy. It's your job to be friendly. And he says, but we have a friend that sticks closer than the brother. Who is that? Well, of course, it's Jesus Christ. But look around here. He's not standing here. You are. Because you are the body of Christ. You are his representative in the earth. And if somebody needs a friend that sticks closer to them than a brother, you are that person because you're Christ on earth to them. Do you see that? 
2 Corinthians 5.18 also said that you have been given this ministry of reconciliation. It is your job to do that. So how do I pull them in? Something else I'll learn. Ask them about themselves. Start asking them questions. Who are you? Where do you work? Where do you come from? Where do you live? You know, what do you like to do? Just, you, you can kind of make a little mental list about and, and you're not just trying to work them. You're trying, who, who are you? I, I want to get to know you. Do we have something in common? And a lot of times you'll find out that you do. Just did the funeral for David. I, I don't think I ever remember meeting David. But as I heard about him, I'm like, man, me and that guy could have been friends because he liked to do the things that I like to do. His favorite place to fish was? Wherever I fish, the Mattapanai River. When I heard that, I'm like, oh, yeah. Because out of all the places that I've fished in Virginia, I love to go to the Mattapanai River. There's just something about it. It's a great place to fish. It's just a little narrow river, but it's just my, I'm in heaven when I'm there. I'm like, this is it. And he loved fish there. So anyway, you're, you're trying to find out what you have in common. You say, Pastor, I hear what you're saying, but I just can't do that. Let me tell you something. You need to pray to be endued with power to be a witness. Because it says in Acts 1, 8, that you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be a witness. That's what we're supposed to do. And God will empower you to do what you can't do. Be proactive. You can make more friends in two months being interested in them than in two years trying to get them interested in you. All right, let me say it again. You can make more friends in two months being interested in them than in two years trying to get them interested in you. Take an interest in who they are. Number two, refuse to wear the mask. Take off the mask. Stop being a clown. If you're not real, <laughs> everybody already sees it. Right? Come on, you see people coming in and they're they're a clown. I mean, they're kind of they're out there and you you're like, dude, that ain't real. You see it, everybody else sees it, they don't see it. They got this they're wearing this mask. And they can't understand everybody loves a clown, so why don't you? Everybody laughs at the things that I say and do. They laugh when they see me coming, but you just, you don't laugh, you just go on running. You know, why? Well, be real. All right, just be, just be who you are, be real. Take off the mask. You say, well, if they get close to me, they will see my flaws. <laughs> they already see your flaws. They're kind of like out there. I preached the whole funeral yesterday with my zipper down. <laughs> and I didn't notice it until I sat down over there. <laughs> Jeannie wasn't there to go. <laughs> Where were you when I needed you? my only friend and you weren't here (laughs) 
You wonder why this clown is crying. <laughs> oh, my Lord. They already see your flaws. Thank God I had a long coat. I'm like, was, I'm thinking, was my coat apart? Was it together? You know? And then we finally stuck up, looked down, and like, thank God it was folded. They didn't hear a word I said. They just kept thinking, man. The one thing, the one thing we all have in common is we all have flaws. No one is perfect. So you can just be real because if you're real, that's going to prone this person to be real, to be honest, be open, be authentic, be sincere. Take off the mask. I, I love the movie Kate and Leopold. Anybody ever seen that movie Kate and Leopold starring Meg Ryan? And, and there's this, her little brother, he's an actor and he's a, he's a goof-off clown and Leopold, Leopold came back from the 1800s through a time warp, and he is in New York City, and he's supposed to fall in love with Meg Ryan, and she goes back to the 1800 and becomes his wife. It's a pretty cool movie. I think it's fairly clean. I don't remember any dirty parts in it or language or nothing. But anyway, our little brother, he's trying to win the heart of Patrice. Patrice is his heartbeat, the love of his life, and he's acting like an idiot in front of her, and she's just kind of rolling her eyes, and all of a sudden, Leopold, who is this dashing duke from the 1800s, starts talking about the basement of the Louvre. She's like, you've been in the basement of the Louvre? And he's like, yeah, and I play Shaddam and Van Damme and la, la, la. And so he wins her heart, and later on, the little brother, Charlie, is saying, I, I, I had her this close, she was going to give me her number. He reaches in his pocket and pulls out the number and said, here. She said, yeah, but she gave it to you. He said, because I told her of your affection for her. So he grabs it and he's getting ready to call her. He said, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to call her. He says, it's one o'clock in the morning. And this is what he told him. He said, women don't respond to a buffoon. They respond to sincerity. And he taught him how to be real and to be genuine. He calls her up and he's like, and he, he takes off the clown mask and quits goofing around and just tells her how he feels. Church, we don't need to try to impress people. Authenticity will win the affections and admiration of people more than your phony, fake mask. Right? Don't try to impress. Try to get to know them. Don't be a clown. Just be you. But you say, but I am a clown. <laughs> okay, then be a clown. But what I'm saying is be genuine, be real, be who you are, who God has made you. Because some people are just clowns, you know. And that's okay, God made them that way. Then don't try not to be a clown. You know? And if I can just pick on Jeannie again a minute, because she's like, why didn't God make me more like now, haven't you said that? I wish God had made me more like, and she thinks about these women who are elegant and all this and like, why did God make me like I am? I'm, I'm so out there and I'm so loud and I'm, and finally she, I, she's gotten to a place where she's comfortable with who God made her. I'm like, God, baby, don't change. That's why I married you. I'm the, the dull, dry, boring guy. You're the exciting one, you know? 
Don't, don't change what God has made you. Most people will see right through a phony. Paul, I'm not going to read all this, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 17, he's, he's basically he's saying that I was caught up into the third heaven. I saw all these things and he said, lest I be exalted above measure, God gave me a thorn in the flesh. You know, because he, he had a tendency to boast about what he had seen, these revelations. And he said, lest, lest I be lifted above favor because of these, these revelations. God gave me a thorn in the flesh. He said, now I glory in my infirmities, meaning my weaknesses, my, my, my inabilities to do things. He said, because when I'm weak, that's when he is strong. Yeah. See, we, we got to take the mask off. Don't try to be something that you are not. It helps people to see that you have the same challenges as they do and that you don't always pass the test. One thing that I try to do, and I don't try to go overboard with it because you, you want your pastor to be a spiritual leader to the point that you can kind of look at his life and say, he, he, he knows what's going on, you know, so I don't just pour out my guts about everything. But I do try to be authentic and I've had people tell me, Pastor, I, I appreciate the fact that you're real, that you're authentic. Because what that says to you is if I can walk in a relationship with God and I can hear from God and I can be his servant and I have problems and I fail the test myself, then you're no different. God can still use you because you, none of us are perfect. We all have flaws. We all have imperfections. And so if we just be real, people will respond to genuine people. All right? The third thing is identify common ground. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 22, the latter, in the beginning of that, he says, I, I have become all things to all people, actually in the latter part, I have become all things to all people that I might by all means save some. So find common ground with people. You know, if you like to shop, then find somebody, you know, you may be shopping, it may be sewing or sports or tinkering, or I've connected people over honeybees and myself and, and hunting and fishing and different things. And it, ladies, if you have problems with your children, uh, women's groups, they kind of find each other, young mothers and that kind of thing. But look for common interest. Reach out to somebody. Don't wait for them to reach out to you. And you might be thinking, well, why would they want to know me? Because some people, it's like, I think on Downton Abbey, they're talking about this one guy, he's, he's supposed to marry Lady Mary, and, he, and he's talking to uh, Lady Grantham, and he says, I don't consider myself an interesting person, person, but I would like for my wife to at least think that I'm interesting. You know, and so he's turning down Lady Mary, actually. And, and I think a lot of people look at themselves and say, I don't really think of myself as an interesting person. Why would they want to know me? Can I answer that question for you? Because you're friendly. The Bible says if you want to be friends, show yourself friendly. Why would they want to know you? Because they're looking for a friend and you are Friendly. Be friendly to them. That's why they want to know you. Be friendly to them. Give yourself more credit than you do. And if I try to be friends with somebody and we just don't mesh, listen, you're not going to mesh with everybody. You know, I talk to some people and, and they're talking about things that really 
you know, their interest is not my interest. I, I talked to one guy and he was all into the solar system. I'm looking at the stars. There's just a bunch of bright lights up there. You know, and he's talking about this and that and the other thing. I'm listening. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in what he's saying, you know, because, and he, he taught me some stuff, you know, a supernova explosion. <laughs> I didn't know what that was. And he taught me a supernova explosion, a black hole that sucks things into it. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool, you know. A star, where some of the lights that we're seeing is from a star that's dead. It's not even there anymore. It's just so far away that the light's just now getting here, but the star is gone. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, but as far as me and him getting together and sitting down and studying the constellation, <laughs> ain't going to happen. We don't mesh. If that's your deal, I mean, hey, I love you. I, that's cool. You're what you're telling me, but dude, I'm not going to come over and we're going to be planetary and we'll spot. And I'm just not there, you know. But what I can do is I'm going to reconcile you to a friend that is into that stuff. I got a son-in-law that knows he's all about that stuff, you know. Pastor Joel can tell you all about black holes and supernova explosions and nebulas and all kinds of stuff, you know. So I'm going to kind of like, you know what, that guy over there, he's, he knows what you're talking about. They, you speak in his language, dog. You know, now, if you're a Harley dude and bikers, I mean, you can talk, right? You like to hunt deer and fish, well, baby, we can talk, you know. So, so when the solar guy come, comes up to you and, and, and you're wanting to talk to him about fishing and you're the solar guy, you're like, I don't know anything about fishing. You need to go talk to Pastor B, Right? Can't find common ground, direct them to some friend that does share common ground. Another way to identify common ground is when you meet people, listen with your heart. People want to be heard. They say things like, you know, you know what I mean, you understand what I'm saying. Care about what they care about. Be proactive, refuse to wear the mask, identify common ground, and the last thing, demonstrate God's love. Demonstrate God's love to them. Love is more than understanding, it's more than a feeling, it's more than a concept. Love is an action. Love is when you actually do something. It's like the guy and his wife, she said, honey, we've been married for 60 years and you don't ever tell me you love me anymore. You still love me? He's laying in bed, he's thinking, oh. She said, well, you used to say loving things to me. You used to whisper sweet nothings into my ear and he's like, oh. She said, you used to nibble on my ear. And he throws the covers back. She said, where are you going? He said, you said you want me to nibble on your ear. She said, well, why are you leaving? He said, I'm not leaving. I'm going to get my teeth. <laughs> Do something. Love is an action. It's not just words. It's not enough to just listen, act on what you have heard. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet-smelling savor. Church, the cross stands there as a reminder of the demonstration of God's love. He didn't just say, I love you. He demonstrated his love for you. Love is an action. It's not just words. 
So you accept them, you affirm them, and then you assist them. Accept them. People just want to be accepted right where they are. Romans 5 eight says, and God committed his love toward us and that while Christ was a sinner, while we were a sinner, Christ died for us. You can accept people right where they are. You don't have to approve of what they're doing. But Jesus sat down and ate with sinners. Right? You accept people right where they are. The lost don't know any better, church. I had someone just recently criticize us because we're so involved in Halloween. I was like, we're not involved in Halloween. We let everybody know that every day is God's day. This is the day the Lord has made every day at 365. And I went on to talk to him. I said, listen, because it was a Christian, you know, and they thought, well, you shouldn't be. I'm like, listen, if you're going to go fishing, we're fishers of men, right? If you're going to go fishing, are you going to go to a desert or a lake? Brothers, there's a lake up here where all the fish are congregated. 1,700 strong last year. That's a good place to go fishing. Now, I don't know how you see it, but that's a good place to go fishing in my boat. And so you got to accept people right where they are. Just love them where they are. You accept them and you affirm them. Affirming just mean, simply means we all have insecurities and hang-ups, and it's very easy to see what's wrong with other people. But people need to have affirmation. People need to hear you say, you did a good job. I'm proud of you. Well done. That was awesome. You know, I'm very pleased with you. Outstanding job. They need to hear that. Children light up when you praise them. I learned this a long time ago when my kids were small. They light up when you praise them. Charity used to take a little pencil or a, or a spoon or anything she could find. She was probably about, five, I don't know, she's probably four years old, five. No, she was in first grade, wasn't she? Kindergarten in Connecticut. Kindergarten, was it? And, and when she'd get behind the curtain, she'd stand behind the curtain. And I was supposed to be like Barnum and Bailey circus announcer, you know. And she'd get behind the curtain. She'd have that spoon in her hand. I'd say, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome the one and only the world-famous Charity Ann Newcomb. And she'd throw the curtain back. She'd pop out with that spoon. She'd say, you can make it. You can make it. I don't care what's going wrong. God won't let it last too long. And then she'd just sing up a storm, you know, and we'd go, yay. And she'd just, yeah, kids love that. Here's a newsflash for you. We never outgrow that. We never outgrow that. When somebody has done a good job, they want to hear somebody say, you did a good job. They need affirmation. To demonstrate God's love, you need to affirm those that you're trying to build a relationship with. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that means building up, to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. Listen, we can always find what's wrong with people, and we can criticize and put down. How about let's try to find something good to say about somebody? There used to be a little golden rule when I was a kid, is if you can't find something good to say, don't say anything at all. Be a good time to kind of re. Re, uh, resurrect that, that, that old saying, I think. 
God's love should not stop with words. A relationship, a friendship is always strengthened by your actions more than your words alone. And so the last place on earth that we should be seeing people having to strive for our approval is in the church. The last person, uh, place a person should be rejected or feel rejected is in the church. Now, Wednesday night, we're going to have an opportunity to go into our community, and there's people there, and I, and I thank God is, is putting a burden not just on Charity's heart, but on all of our hearts to see the love of God break the yoke of bondage yeah. on people. But to do that, you can't just stand around and look at them. You need to go up and, how, my name's Bernie, what's your name? How are you doing? My name's so-and-so, what, what, where are you from? Yeah. And you don't have to like preach them the ABCs of the gospel. Just love on them. Just love on them. You know, and God may open the door. Maybe you, he'll open the door for you to pray for them. But listen, just because they don't look right, they don't smell right, they don't feel right, none of those should prevent us from reaching out to people. The church, this is our job. Read you this story while the worship team is coming. A sobbing little girl stood near a small church, this is a true story, from which she had been turned away because it was too crowded. I can't go to Sunday school, she sobbed as the pastor would walk by. Seeing her shabby, unkept appearance, the pastor guessed the reason, and taking her, up by, taking her by the hand, he took her inside and found a place for her in the Sunday school class. The child was so touched that she went to bed that night thinking of the children who had no place to worship Jesus. Some two years later, this child lay dead in one of the poor tenement buildings in Philadelphia. The parents called for the kind-hearted pastor who had befriended their daughter to handle the final arrangements. As her little body was being moved, a worn and crumpled purse was found which seemed to have been rummaged from some trash dump. Inside was found 57 cents and a note scribbled in childish handwriting which read, this is to help this is to help build the little church bigger so more children can go to Sunday school. For two years, she had saved for this offering of love. When the pastor tearfully read that note, he knew exactly what he would do. Carrying this note and the cracked red pocketbook to the pulpit, he, stood, he told the story of her unselfish love and devotion he challenged his deacons to get busy and raise enough money for a larger building. But the story, does, story doesn't end there. A newspaper learned the story and published it. It was read by a realtor who offered them a parcel of land worth many thousands. When told that the church could not pay so much, he offered it for one payment of 57 cents. Church members made large subscriptions. Checks came from far and wide. Within five years, the little girl's gift had increased to $250,000, a huge sum for that time because it was near the turn of the century in the 1800s. Her unselfish love had paid large dividends. When you're in the city of Philadelphia, look up Temple Baptist Church. 
with a seating capacity of 3,300 people, and Temple University, where hundreds of students are trained. Have a look, too, at the Good Samaritan Hospital and at a Sunday school building which houses hundreds of Sunday school scholars so that no child in the area will ever need to be left outside a Sunday school class again. In one room of the building may be seen the picture of the sweet face of the little girl whose 57 cents so sacrificially saved, uh, she saved, made such remarkable history. Alongside it is a portrait of her kind pastor, Dr. Russell H. Conwall. Would you please stand with me? Bow your head. My prayer this morning is that every person that hears this message hears the heart of Christ that's in this message. If you're here today, my question for you is, have you been reconciled to God? Jesus paid a price at Calvary to breach the gulf that stood between you and God. Let me ask you something. Is there a gulf still standing between you and God? The sin that you choose to live in separates you from God. Jesus paid a price to remove that sin so that you can once again have a relationship with God. Have you been reconciled to God? If you haven't, why don't you make things right today? All you've got to do is place your trust in Jesus Christ and ask Him to forgive you of that sin. And just like that, God will give you a brand new heart and a brand new spirit. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand. I see your hand. God bless you, young lady. Is there anyone else? My sin has separated me from God, and I don't want to, I don't want to be separated from God anymore. Anyone else before we pray? Now, for the benefit of this young lady, I want everybody in here to pray this with me. Young lady, I want you to pray this with me. Say, dear God. Everybody pray that with me. Dear God. I come before you in Jesus' name. I thank you that you sent Jesus to die in my place. I'm sorry for my sin, and I ask you to forgive me. I ask you right now to come into my heart and to live. And I promise you that I will live for you the rest of my life. Thank you, God, for saving me today. Amen. Young lady, you're now my sister in Christ. You're my sister in Christ. Welcome to the family. You're surrounded by people that love you and wants to help you grow. Now, with that said, you've been reconciled to God. How many of you want to accept the ministry calling today of reconciliation of men to God and to other men? If you'd, like, if you'd like to make a pledge to God, I accept the ministry of reconciliation today that you've given me. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. 
Father God, all across the sanctuary, Lord, as we raise our hand to you, God, as a pledge, I'm accepting the ministry of reconciliation and obedience to your word. You have given us the ministry of reconciliation, Lord, of restoring the relationship of man to you. God, we will make it our mission to tell people about you. And God, we will do that by being Jesus Christ to them so that they can have a relationship with other people because you told us to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind and to love one another as we love ourselves. So Lord, today we accept that call, we accept that mission. And we ask you, God, to empower every single person in this room, Lord, with the endowment of power that you give to be a witness so that we can effectively do that ministry, Lord. And Wednesday night, God, when we walk onto that fairground, Lord, it will be a sacred place. It will be holy ground. And God, we will go there with a mission, Lord, to win the loss for Jesus Christ, Lord, and to show them that there are people that serve in his stead until he comes again. So God, empower us to do that. Lord, many of us feel like I can't do that. Lord, we can, but you can because you live and work and move through us and in us. So God, I pray that you empower us to do that today. Lord, we will show ourselves friendly so that we can make friends to every single person that graces us with their presence. May we do that in this church, Lord, and may we do it everywhere that we go, Lord. Give us the boldness of a lion, God, to be your witnesses now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Well, I believe the Lord's had his way in here this morning. Amen. Young lady, I'd like to talk to you before you leave today. I hope you're not in a hurry to get out of here because I'd like to set up a time to baptize you, okay? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to go ahead and pray and dismiss you, but Jeannie would like to, this is our last meeting before the No Fright Fun Night. There's a few final details we need to work out, so if you don't mind hanging around, if you're planning on helping out with that, uh, I'm going to ask you to just stick around for a few minutes. Um, so let's pray for those that need to go. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for our time together, Lord. I thank you for what has been accomplished here today, Lord. God, we've, we've had times of laughter and fun. God, we've had times of crying and times of sincerity. Lord, but may all of it be done, Lord, so that your will and your purpose can be accomplished, Lord. Do a work in our heart, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, I pray, God, that the Spirit of the Lord will go with us, Lord God, and it will go especially into our homes, Lord. Make it a refuge, Lord and escape from the world, a place where you're honored, Lord, a place where your spirit is welcomed, Lord. Strengthen the body of Christ, Lord. Strengthen our families, God, husbands and wives, parents and their children, siblings, one with each other. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you, church. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by it. Central Virginia Assembly of God is located on 5052 Cross County Road, Mineral, Virginia, 23117. If you would like more information about the church, visit us at centralvaag.org or call 804-514-2413. We would love to hear from you. God bless.